singers in the shower. <laughs> and then I'm holding, I want to hold open auditions, get some young ladies in there. Is she down? Wow. <laughs> oddly enough, no. She didn't um, seem to like the idea as much as I did. <laughs> well, just tell her she has veto power. Just, you know, start the yeah, process. Yeah, I, I can tell her that she can veto, uh, uh, you know, a couple of them, perhaps. And, uh, not, not ultimate veto power. I feel you like get I would just three strikes, the and then... <laughs> you guys can adjust your volume on yes. any of these. Yes. Like, this is me, this is Guillermo, and this should be my crazy. So that just adjusts okay. me in the headphones. Just adjust in the headphones, yes. not actually in the recording. Wait, which is right. me? So, uh, you're number you're, two. Yeah. Number two. <laughs> okay, I think that's that's pretty pretty good. Maybe I'll toss me down. Just check, check. How's mine? Yours sounds pretty good, actually. Um, yeah. You get that sultry voice that I like to go hey, to sleep to. Seriously, man, it relaxes it relaxes me, and I'm just like it, it makes makes me relax. And that's good. I like to relax people. Yeah. I just don't know why I'm getting so much. I mean, I'm thinking possibly because I'm sitting closest to. the You're wall. closer to the wall, so it's coming. It could be, but you've got the. But I would think that firing into the wall, like, would give right. me more of that sound. Yeah, but I I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, maybe if I scoot that back a little bit, uh, it's hard to say. Uh, but it's not horrendous. Like, we can live with it? Yeah. No, I I'm, think it sounds pretty I'm good. good. I mean, as okay. long as, the, like, the result's coming out the way you're, you're with good. Well, re- recording last night with Laura, it, mine also had just a little bit more of a reverb to it. So, and even right now I can hear it more than I can in yours, and I can't isolate it. I can't figure out what it is. Well, I think... Same mics, same everything. Well, so when I... I hear a little bit in mine, but I guess maybe not as bad as what you're hearing. Yeah. All right. But you probably got a better ear just because you're a musician. And... Yes, my ear is finely tuned. I should have known that was going to go right to his head. Stroke that ego a little bit. Very, very attuned to this one. Right. <laughs> the nuance of audio. That's right. um, I, so the topic tonight, um, actually, I didn't have one specifically, but being that it's October and we were already kind of mm. talking like um, uh, Underworld out there. And I recently listened to a couple of really good like horror podcasts, science horror podcasts, like oh, the origins of uh, different myths and monsters. Mm-hmm. And then Ooh. Ryan, who was just here and had to leave, regrettably, uh, is a big time ghost hunter. No, uh, oh, is he really? A ghost, he's a he loves oh, go out ghost hunting. He loves to go find haunted houses and such. Um, is he actually looking to make contact with you? <laughs> he wants to make contact. <laughs> See, that's why he agreed with me that you would go back to Hill House. Oh yeah, absolutely. yeah, totally. He, he, I'd go. What's and, Hill House? Uh, Hill House is the book in... Oh, uh, Hill House. The, yeah, that oh, is. Yeah, yeah, huh? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I <laughs> thought, I thought you said Hell House. I'm like, Hell House? I don't Hell know. House. No. It sounds cool. I want to go there. <laughs> there is a Hell House. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, but in the interest of all that, we'll, we'll go ahead and do our, our intro. Um, okay. Welcome again to From the Red Room. Tonight, it's horror from the Red Room. It's... Uh, what's an R that's going to go with our our, our, our schematic there? It's, uh, it's an R. I'm not really sure of an R that goes with it. Like, the really? Rot Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> or, no, you want English. Um. No, I'm fine with whatever okay. language you choose. Good. All right, there you okay, go. Okay, there it is, from the Red Room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've got uh, returning guests, Guillermo and Mike here. And uh, we're tonight, being October, we're going to just chat a little bit about some ghost stories, just wherever the t- conversation goes, we're going to go with it, um, and a kind of intro to 
to the, a couple more horror podcasts we have scheduled for this month. Um, so to start, are you guys fans of, of the horror? Of horror or of, of Halloween? Of or? Halloween, of spooky stuff? You know, uh, uh, sorry, Guillermo, I'm just going to jump in there. No, please. Um, I, uh, I like spooky stuff, uh-huh. and so every year uh, to start off uh, October, I do my own like uh, horror nights almost every night. Oh, wow. Like, this year I've missed a couple of nights, but I usually get on Netflix or something, and I do my cheesy 80s horror movies. So like Netflix has my favorites, which are uh, Hellraiser. Nice. I love the Hellraiser series. So I get on there and I watch all the Hellraisers that they have. And then I start watching all the really bad, I mean, and don't get me wrong, Hellraiser's bad. Uh, all the really bad uh, 80s, like, B horror movies that I can find. Okay. So I personally, though, like, as far as dressing up and stuff, like, not necessarily my thing. You know, I'm, I, I told somebody the other day that, yeah, I kind of hate holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I hear that kind of thing from you all the time. You love to just, like, pull people, like, poke people and, like, kind of, like, manipulate them a little bit and, like, egg them on. They're like, hey. Well, because that's, no, what, that's what Pinhead would do. Okay. <laughs> 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 so, not a fan particularly of Halloween, but you're just uh, celebrating like, you know, know what? If, if I was if I was to, to be a fan of, of a holiday, it would probably be <laughs> Halloween. Okay. More so than any of the other holidays. But uh, uh, yeah, not really. I'm not really a big fan of like dressing up and giving out candy. I'd rather just eat it myself. Did you dress up when you were a kid? Yeah. Oh yeah. What was your favorite costume? Did you ever have a repeating uh, one? Yeah, I did have a repeating one. I used to do a werewolf costume <laughs> that I took like I, I would take and uh, take like uh, what was it like this rope that I had? My mom had this macrame rope, mm-hmm. and I would fray the ends of it with a, a brush or a comb. And I would cut it off and with corn syrup, stick it to my face <laughs> what? And, and comb it back so it looked like fur. And, and with my dark complexion and then the hair and stuff, it looked, it looked really, really good. I actually did really it one impressive. year. I did it one year when I was uh, 17, I believe. I, I did it for Halloween at the grocery store I worked at. And uh, all the, you know, I was a courtesy clerk bagging groceries, but I had my Halloween costume on. I looked like a werewolf. Yeah. And all the kids, <laughs> little kids would come through the line with their parents and the parents would be like, oh, that's so awesome. And the kids would be like, ah! <laughs> Just, I, literally, literally, I had children bursting into tears taking a look at me, like at my costume. And then, <laughs> then that particular night, I went over to my aunt and uncle's house. And right across the street from their house, they had this really cool guy. Uh, I never actually knew his real name. I always, only knew him as Sleepy. Uh, he was a biker. And... He and his daughter and his daughter's boyfriend and some several of his friends had decorated his house. So there were tombstones in the yard. And then his daughter and some of her friends and her boyfriend were behind the tombstones and they would rise up when like the bigger kids had come through. And then Sleepy and his buddies were in the garage, like with chains and dressed up looking. You know, one looked like Frankenstein, another one looked like a mummy. And and so I my aunt, when she saw me, she's like, Go over to Sleepy's house and hang out with Sleepy. <laughs> so I did. I went over to Sleepy's house and hung out for a couple of hours and we were scaring people and <laughs> it was a good time man i won't lie that was probably one of my favorite halloween right there uh Sounds just good just hanging out and and creeping people out and stuff you know that was that was fun i won't lie about that well that <laughs> sounds about like you though i, I get that i'm not surprised ouch well, <laughs> it's not a dig it's not a dig i can just see you enjoying that yeah no, I, had, I had a great time yeah <laughs> Tricker, um, not treater. Not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's and a good way to put it. What's, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Mm, my favorite Halloween candy? 
Uh, it's not really Halloween candy, but uh, I love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. That's Well, I mean, that counts. Okay. Especially the ones that are in the shape of pumpkins, because it's a better peanut butter to chocolate ratio, I feel. Wait, do they make them in pumpkins? Yeah. I didn't even know for that. For every holiday, there's like eggs for the, uh, Zombie Jesus Day, and there are trees for... Yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll have to get back to the zombie Jesus thing. Well, so if I may, for just a sec, a little side note. So my mother-in-law used to take my youngest child to church. And I used to try and get my youngest child to tell her her Sunday school teacher that Jesus was the first zombie. (laughs) (laughs) And unfortunately, it never worked. Like, she never told her teacher. She didn't have the guts to do it. I guess not. (laughs) I figured she was young enough that it would just come out at some point. But she's never done it. Never did it. (laughs) And I was a little disappointed by that. I won't lie. (laughs) But if you think about it, you know, just from a biblical sense, the first zombie was probably not Jesus. It was probably Lazarus. Lazarus was the first zombie. Jesus created patient zero. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to see that horror movie, by the way. (laughs) Oh, I had a great idea. I'm not going to reveal it on the uh, podcast, but I had a, a horror short story, short movie idea today because of something I saw on the street. I will share it with you guys when we're done. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and I have an author here who might tell me whether or not I have something or not. <laughs> it's definitely a short story. I'll feel that. Guillermo, yourself, did you, did you do the dress nothing when you were a kid? Did you have repeat costumes like Wolfman here? I did have repeat costumes. Uh, I was a vampire for many years <laughs> in a row. Uh, <laughs> surprise, surprise, the goth kid. Um, the Darth Vader in a box with the vinyl cape and the yeah. plastic mask mm. got at least yes. two years. Yeah. Um, but the lightsaber didn't make it every year. Of course, it always broke. Um, <laughs> and Wait, explain how it always broke. Because <laughs> you're aggressive. Who, who are you attacking with your lightsaber? <laughs> oh, those pussy lightsiders, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, did that. I was a, um, a pirate for a very long time and that was kind of later in life honestly guys i i trick-or-treated up until my mid-30s <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's no respect judging, man that's respect great. totally yeah i mean this this baby face gets a lot of play so um and on halloween that works too uh, so yeah you know and and only every so often i got challenged by people at the door like hey you're a little old and i'd be like and you're an ageist give me yeah. the candy, candy. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and that that usually worked um, but it wasn't for the sake of candy. It was for the sake of, which I think really sucks. Actually, I think a lot of Halloween candy really sucks, but, um, it was for the sake of the ritual, for the sake yeah. of going mm-hmm. out and going door to door and the exercise of that, the ritual of it. I mm-hmm. think that's really fun and really important. And I, I really, I feel that Halloween needs reinvention. I feel that it needs to be adultified in many ways. I'm sort of sick of the the dilution of the holiday, which is a fear-based event. It's not about cutesy ghosts. And you mean you're not down with cutesy Cthulhu? No, I'm really not. Me Cthulhu either. should not be a stuffed animal. No. That's not right. <laughs> you know, though, one the thing I will never get tired of is I will never get tired of the naughty nurses. Oh, oh my god. god. Oh I'm no, I'm that. I'm pro sexy costume. Let's, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's that's just, part of the adult. That's part of the adult. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Part of the adult. I just I'm like, don't <laughs> please just don't take away the sexy nurses. <laughs> but yeah, I mean I, I think if like we had um an adult spectrum 
of the holiday. You could go door to door. You could get like the airplane bottles of liquor and lube and condoms. (laughs) And this could open the door for a a lot of fun and perhaps take it back to some of the more uh, Roman-esque origins of the holiday. (laughs) You you had me at alcohol. You you definitely had me at alcohol. Scared me a little bit with lube. (laughs) Come on, don't be such a prude. I mean, if it's earlier in the evening, you know. (laughs) You're like, you know what? If you get enough alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it should, but as far as fear base goes, yeah, it, it should be scary. I really, I think that needs to be Re-emphasized. So, what are your plans this year? Do you have anything going on? Honestly, no. Uh, I'm I, my life is kind of in a, a sort of post uh, double event flux state, and so last year, me and my now ex wife, we handed out candy at the door, and it was I was really not on board with it. But when I got home, and we did it, and we had lit candles and were playing the spooky music and all of that, I really had a good time with it. I never had done that before i'd never actually been like yeah kids come to the door and let me give you things and let me talk about your costumes and da 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 and that was really really fun i really really liked it it was it was a new thing for me and so i don't know i might do that again by myself this year we'll we'll see i haven't really kind of planned anything out though yeah well i know for me like halloween changed when i had kids and then I had to be the adult and take them around to get the candy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Then it became like work. But then you get first dibs, though, right? I mean, then you, you know get what? to pick I, out the Reese's I, peanut butter I did. Um, and I, I won't lie. Like, the more kids you ha- have, especially, you make out like a bandit. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they come home with all this candy that they're never going to eat. And so you go through it. And then as you're going through it, you're like, one for you, two for me, one for you, three for me. You know, it, it works you're out pretty well. You're not going to like this candy. Anyways, yeah, my parents like, always you know, called it adult food. That's right. Yeah, you don't, you don't want this. this Pillowcase tax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now, Guillermo, do you, do you watch like horror movies and stuff? Or I do, but not with a great frequency or indiscretion that I used to say in my teens and my 20s. Gotcha. But yes, gotcha. I do. I, I think it's a really great genre. But again, I think that... There's also within the horror genre uh, a terrible of man of dilution where it's kind of like, okay, well, this is a slasher pick. We know how this is going to go. I'm not invested in these characters. Who mm. cares? I will also argue that the first Hellraiser movie is really freaking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's, yeah, the first one is the best of all of them because after that, they really started to go downhill. Well, I just, I but, think, yeah, the, the, the decision to make the Cenobites originally human, mm-hmm. I think kind of deflates the the mystery and the the uh the otherness right of them right um so i think that was kind of like a bad move yeah. but aesthetically they're super cool they're super intimidating um yeah well, well do you remember i'm sure you probably remember mitch uh years ago those uh well, i think it was mcfarland toys had the xenobites the mm-hmm. this line of xenobites and stuff and uh those were freaking awesome like those were incredible and then you um, bought like six and you made the lament cube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and then it was on. <laughs> what are your favorite mo- movie monsters or, you know, and then we can go to like things that are a little mm. bit more um, maybe uh, folklorish based, but like obviously Cenobites, but anybody else? Anyone else? Um, I think my, my favorite movie monster might have been from, uh, oh, and I can't, I just lost the name of it. I think it was called Deep Star Six. <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember that came out the same year as Leviathan. Yeah, yeah, and oh, yeah, Leviathan and also. That was I another believe one. Yeah. Abyss was the probably Abyss was, that same yeah. year too. Yeah, for some reason oh, they seem to right. all come out around the same time. Although the Abyss was quite a bit different than the other two. Yeah, it was. I imagine so, there was like a early screenplay treatment that got split up between various people, and then that's what resulted that year. It, it very well could have been, but I think because if I remember right, Deep Star Six was the one where Sorry. it was like some type of a crustacean or something, but he had big teeth. <laughs> And it was kind of, I thought it was creepy because the, you know, everything took place un- deep in the ocean under the water where it's not an, you know, a natural environment for a human. I never saw this one. And, and I just remember there was a scene where someone was getting into a suit and this thing came up and just crushed it and just bit right through and bit this person in half. And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, that's kind of like, I, I used to read a lot of stuff on sharks. And so maybe that's part of why I, why I liked it so much because I'm like, okay, well, it's a creature from the deep, you know, yeah. that would, you know, kind of just tear you apart. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 vulnerable and you're on the seafloor and you're not supposed to be in that environment to mm-hmm. begin with. So having something come after you just really kind of ramps it up to 11. I mean, I, I saw Jaws in the theater when I was six. So, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, it was one of those kind of like, oh, well, yeah, there's stuff under there and it's not good. And so like, <laughs> so like, you know, carrying, carrying that forward that like, oh, what could be down there? And once again, going back to Cthulhu, um, <laughs> you know, that well, just that's o- got nothing to do with you being a desert kid, like, you know, being born <laughs> got, and raised. Got as far kid. away from the ocean as you could. <laughs> like it is completely foreign to you. Like it's super foreign. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. that probably that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my. Well, I mean, well, we've probably all gone swimming as children, you know, like in swimming pools and stuff. But when you're in the ocean, it's a totally different experience. And I mean, let's be honest, like I would rather face, you know, like a bear on the land or something versus like a shark in the water. (laughs) At least at least if I'm on the land and I'm attacked by a bear or any other type of mythical creature that's going to try and kill me on the land, I feel as though I've got a fighting chance. That's a pretty solid discussion there like bear or shark <laughs> would i rather face a bear or a shark right yeah. no it's it uh, believe me i've thought about this <laughs> i don't know why but i have would you rather face this uh a werewolf or a vampire Ooh, now that's a good one uh it depends on the, Which iter- the iteration yeah, yeah really so like um uh what instance, are the rules yeah what really, are the rules if no. we're talking and i've never seen the movies but i'm guessing the twilight werewolves look stupid uh <laughs> Or if we're talking yeah. like the howling, uh-huh. the werewolves from the howling, yeah. I don't want to face those werewolves. Yeah, those werewolves were pretty badass. I mean, they just tore shit up. Um, if uh, you're talking like vampires, you know, if we're talking like old school, like Nosferatu, like the like the old black and white film, and I remember Willem Dafoe did re, redid a movie where they talked about the making of Nosferatu, Shadow of the Vampire. Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, yeah, if you're talking that vampire, that one creeped me out more than just about any other vampire. Okay, we're talking about, let's say, Anne okay. Rice vampire. Anne Rice, okay, Ooh. okay. So Teen we're talking... Wolf. <laughs> 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 okay, so so Teen Wolf, yeah, no, I mean, no. that was, uh, yeah. That, yeah. I didn't really find him scary. I, I wanted to be Teen Wolf. Okay. I think, honestly, I wanted to get on top of a van and surf. We all wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, so Anne Rice, uh, like Vampire Lestat type of, type of thing. Um, yeah, I, I take, I'd probably rather face one of them than a werewolf. Yeah. Like Anne Rice's versions of the vampires weren't that scary to me. I think Can't we're remember. talking about a point 
where the narrative focus changes. When Anne Rice comes out with Any Vampire in 74 and Teen Wolf comes out sometime in the 80s, <laughs> um, we're, we're talking, I mean, and, and again, that the Vampire series wasn't big, I think, until the second installment. Not that Interview didn't get a lot of notice, but once Vampire Lestat came out, um, gosh, 81? It was in the 80s. It was a good, mm-hmm. good yeah. time after. Um, that at that point, because it was kind of like, okay, well, this vampire is a rock star. He's a good time. He's about having a good time. And so the 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 focus of what a monster is, as opposed to the other, the super being that you become a prey for, is different. It's now like, no, wait a minute, this is an admirable condition with advantages. And so when we when we look at Michael J. Fox playing basketball, and when we when we look at Lestat on stage getting the adulation of millions, that's different. Um, and so in encountering those particular quote monsters, yeah. um, we instead we desire that we want that we want to run into those. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that was something that was happening at the time? Do you think that those two are related? Like, well, the '80s they, had a completely yeah. different feel. I mean, I, you know. I mean, when did the monster become the hero? Mm, that's a good question. Gosh, that is a good question. Honestly, but I, I would say probably not until the 2000s. No, because the hero was Lestat. Well, but that's in book form before it really became more popular, though, and it was really took the movies to make it popular. I think literature is the legitimization. Well, no, the monster becoming the hero. Right. I guess, I guess to a degree, maybe even as far back as, as Mary Shelley. Mm. Okay. You're Not really the hero, but certainly the victim. Well, yeah, the yeah, monster I mean, was the victim. Was, well, yeah, you know, it, when, you read, when you read the original Frankenstein, I mean, I think you, there, there are certain parts where you empathize with the creature uh-huh. because you, you, know, you realize that all the creature wants is to be accepted. Just like, just like any of us. I mean, yeah. you know, there, and then and <clears throat> to be so misunderstood... <clears throat> And basically become a victim of circumstance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nothing that, that the creature did to create all these problems that he had to face. It was all it was all circumstance. It was the way that the world perceived him and the way that people reacted to him. So yeah, I could see I don't know if that's so I see much more of... thoughts. I I mean I was just throwing mm-hmm. that out there because it suddenly occurred to me. But I think from modern if we want to go more modern, like when did the, the monster become the hero? When did, like you were saying, these abilities and these things that this was more of a, a sought after state of being? Like when, oh, that would be great if I were a werewolf that could dunk from half, half, yeah. Right. I don't think Frankenstein is a desirable condition, no. so I don't think wrong, we can take it far that far. Also, I would argue yeah. that Frankenstein is a comment on Byron and a comment on the, the, um, the, societal otherness of those who were the romantics mm-hmm. at the time so yeah i mean the shelley's byron polidori yeah those guys who we have a lot to thank for in the yeah. way of the monster oh, yeah, actually of course absolutely. you know there'd be no universal without any and all of <laughs> all of that getting pushed forward into that yeah. so i would honestly say that like monsters becoming the hero or like you know being desirable in some sense probably it it didn't happen until like you know when when did pop culture become a thing like when did that kind of because i mean like i mean let's be honest in the 80s when i was growing up uh all the monsters weren't the heroes they were they were the ones killing everybody and tearing everybody up sure we liked them because we liked the slasher flicks you know that was that was huge you know you had all the crazy stuff like reanimator you had um god what uh 
I don't remember was Tremors part of the eighties. I think it was. Yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, they were cheesy. Every every all those horror movies from back in that day was cheesy. They used an incredible amount of corn syrup. <laughs> but you know, we I, I dug it as a kid. I was all into that. I had a friend of mine who always read like Fangoria and all those horror <laughs> like you know those horror movie mags and stuff. And I was always at his house because my parents didn't let me watch that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to his house to watch it. Because I'd spend the night, and then we'd stay up late watching those movies and stuff. What so. was your first horror movie, Guillermo? Do you remember? I think I snuck into the living room because the TV yes. was in the dining room, and I kind of snuck a really good part of either The Exorcist or The Omen. I can't remember which one precisely, but um, you know, as a as a six or seven year old Catholic kid, those really hit very hard because having an unquestioning worldview of, of that and then like entertaining the idea of the, the Antichrist coming forward and becoming ascendant was really so super frightening. Really scary. Or, or of a demonic power possessing yeah. a little girl who's very much like a child and like you so that like that's like super freaky it's like oh yeah no no innocent is spared so um th- that was that was kind of like the oh god i can't sleep kind of kind of moment for me wow. as as a kid i mean i want to say like in, t- in terms of like comprehensive uh aesthetic maturity of admiring horror f- for the form that it is would be the uh, Corman Poe Price films, uh, especially Mask of the Red Death. I remember staying up and watching that with my dad and both of us just like being like, oh, whoa. And that movie is so heavily satanic and unapologetically so if you watch (laughs) this movie and you look at the, the text that it's kind of putting forward in the film and it's a beautiful film. The all the the DP stuff and the lighting and the sets. It's a gorgeous movie. I mean, I own copies of all of those Corman Poe films. I sent him a thank you letter later on in my thirties, and he was kind enough to write me back. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. So that was that was really kind of kind of came full circle for me. But that that I think those movies aesthetically. Um, gave me such an appreciation for horror and for the gothic and for um, figures like Vincent Price. Hmm. Vincent Price. Vincent wow. Price, man. I love Vincent Price. Yeah, yeah, Vincent Price. I'll drink to that. Uh, does Thriller count? Mm-hmm. I think that was probably my first <laughs> Thriller video. And then after that, uh, Return of the Night of the Living Dead, or Return of the Living Dead, the one with the punk strut dancing in the graveyard. Right. Mm-hmm. That was, and that one was a sneak into the living room while Dad was watching. And then later on, Dad making him, like, welcoming, like, inviting and watching alongside. You know, that was... See, I remember when uh, Beta and VHS first came out. <clears throat> and uh, and we got... Uh, my, I think my uncle had a VHS player. We went over to my uncle's house, and he, I believe he had rented uh, Night of the Living Dead, the old black and white yeah. film. And that was the first horror film I had watched, oh, was wow. that one. Oh, and I was actually allowed to stay up and watch it. And I think I was probably about six years old. Um, and then I remember the second horror movie I ever watched, uh, my uncle, again, I think, was at my grandparents' house watching. It was I was supposed to be in bed, and I, I got up and snuck in the living room, and it was Chud. 
I don't, know if you, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Chud. Classic. Yeah. Well, I told you, man. I, I've watched a lot of, of a lot of bad horror movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. Yeah. That's what Chud's for. Um, but and in, unfortunately, unlike Guillermo, where he's got this just beautiful sentiment regarding the horror movies in the '80s when I was a kid growing up watching these, I watched them a lot because they were boobies. <laughs> That's always a selling point. Yeah, yeah. of those. That was always that had. was always for me. I was like, I went over to my buddy's house, and like I said, my parents didn't let me watch them. And you know, we're watching these movies, and I'm like, oh, I like those. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's- Go ahead. But I mean, you go back to the literature and and that's there. You read the scene where like Harker runs into yeah. the, the Brides of Dracula and there is just this kind of like sex in the face kind of seduction, um, you know, the, the the that bedroom tear going on right there about to happen. So that's definitely there. Mm-hmm. Sex and horror go hand in hand and they really always, almost they, always have. They do. And that's and more intellectual podcast than this. You probably <laughs> like tear it down for us a little bit. Bit, but it's not like uh, well, but well, yes, I was just gonna say like, what was that movie, uh, Kevin in the Woods, where it's like, they, oh, people, dude, I so love good. that movie. It was, it was such such a well done yeah. movie, and, and it was it was spot on with the tropes that they use in all the horror films. Right, they waited until that that one couple had sex, and mm-hmm. then they were gonna die. Because you know that's what always happens. That's according to these kids, would go out and have sex, and then they're you know they're going to get killed. Yeah, <laughs> they never they never last. Yeah, you know? so. <laughs> that was really well written. Well, I just really enjoyed that from beginning to end. Oh, I, I loved it. I loved. I think it. he is that his script or would he did he direct? Do you know? It was a Joss know? Whedon deal. Yeah, I thought it was Joss Whedon, which I I well, I, I hate him, and so I I put but... it off watching it for a long time. Oh, so when did you, you finally like Joss Whedon? Oh, no, not at all. Oh, really? Oh, because that's uh, too bad because uh, I was going to talk about <laughs> No, let's not waste our time. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but Cabin in the Woods is freaking brilliant. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was such a, so meta. Mm-hmm. It was such a love song mm-hmm. to the genre. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, and I loved, uh, um, I don't remember the actor's name now, but he was in the West Wing. Uh, Bradley Cooper. No, not Bradley Cooper. Um, I'm sorry. I, I don't remember his name, but uh, he was the one that kept saying how he always wanted to see a mermaid. Like one of the mermaid, uh, yeah. and <laughs> ended up getting killed by the mermaid, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> you know, so ironic, right? All right. Well, you may not like Whedon, but one of his one of his monsters, still one of my favorites. That if I were ever svelte enough to do as a Halloween costume, would be the gentleman from the Hush episode. Do you, you, oh yes, oh, yeah, that was kind of cool. That, that was, was a good episode. Cool. I'll yes. I'll give it that. But you those know, those guys are creepy. Like one good note. No. Okay, I, in a symphony fine. doesn't okay. make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll move right I, along. Let's I I I move on from that then. Okay, so I just want to say, I was a Buffy fan, <laughs> but I think, like, so Buffy, I mean, just not to, to give it too much credence, because I know you don't like Whedon, but uh, I think Buffy was probably one of those things that popularized, like, you know, monsters and stuff, and, and this whole idea, like, with uh, Angel. It probably contributed. I'm sure it had to have contributed, this idea that Angel, you know, being a sex symbol, everybody, all the girls love David Boreanaz, and... <laughs> You know, and he was a vampire and, uh, and all this stuff. About I mean, Spike. Oh, Spike was cooler. He Spike was definitely was way cooler. cooler. He was he way cooler. Infinitely hotter. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. If I was going to have a vampire man crush, I guess, it'd be if, Spike. If, I'd, if. I don't know. I'm not I'd, even going to pretend. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, we're, we're kind of all immersed in this, and it's like from a very early age. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all the. Uh, there are those out there who will say that it 
contaminates us or uh, desensitizes us to real world violence, those types of things. Like, so let's take it to the real and let's talk about that a little bit. Do you guys think these types of things impact uh, real world action? I think that there is exposed to this stuff. I think that there is uh, a certain amount of impact. And -hmm. I have read a couple of uh, uh, studies that have shown that there is a certain amount of impact. And I'm I'm going to, I'm going to extrapolate a little bit here. So one of the studies that I've read uh, recently was talking about the impact of children viewing movies in which they see alcohol consumption. Yeah, and, buddy. Well, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, just because of the... They, they've shown in this study there seems to be a correlation between alcohol viewing alcohol consumption as a child in a movie and it, for some reason it seems to speak to the child in that this is socially acceptable. And so the... Which, you know, is fine. But then later in life, <laughs> later in life they have... Uh, uh, they've shown... a greater tendency towards alcohol consumption huh. at an earlier age. Sure. Uh, you know, we're talking teen drinking and stuff. Um, but there's, there's just a there's, correlation being made. Not right, there's a correlation, and the correlation does not show causation. So it doesn't That's necessarily same. mean that just because it, you see it and accept it that you're going to necessarily go out and do it. Okay, same thing with violence, and I'm going to relate this to video games. Okay, so violence in video games, there are a lot of people out there who think that violence in video games and violence in movies and stuff causes children to be violent. What the studies have shown is that playing violent video games and perhaps watching like violent movies may cause children or people playing them to aggress, meaning they might be a little more aggressive in certain in certain circumstances. But it does not, again, show causation. So it doesn't necessarily mean that just because you watch violent movies or because you play violent video games that you're going to go out and commit any of these acts. So there are a lot of other factors that can play into this. And when they do these studies, they are limited because they have difficulty controlling for certain factors. I mean, socioeconomic status is one of these things that's going to certainly play into it. Uh, we know for a fact that people coming from a lower uh, socioeconomic status, you know, ha- have a tendency to be in situations where there are there is more violence. Therefore, they are prone to violence uh, in some circumstances. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be violent. It just means that the circumstances surrounding them. <clears throat> well, we're still so early on, quite, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, early on in understanding uh, the mind and human behavior and things mm-hmm. uh, like having an, an inborn um, tendency towards something. I mean, who who's to say that they're not playing that violent video game because they are already well aggressive and, that, that's... and, and like you know. And I was I've always loved music mm-hmm. from the time I was a small child. What was that? Because why? Like that's just me. That's just who I am. Be it soul, be it human meat puppet, whatever. Mm-hmm. Something combined to make me gravitate to that so like there's a part of the mind the part of the brain rather that is more developed in musicians Mm -hmm. it's larger is that because they play music or is it because or are they musicians because they're because that was already you had a natural propensity towards that becoming enlarged so it's it's a good good question no it's definitely a good question um you know uh the, the big debate in psychology is always like you know uh uh whether it's an environment or whether it's in something inborn, yeah. um, nature versus nurture, uh, being adopted, you know, nature versus nurture is something that's always been on my mind. Sure. And I, I completely believe more in nurture versus nature. As do be- I. Also because, being adopted. Yes. Because, because of the fact that I'm <laughs> very much share. like my, Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and, and we've mentioned this before, you know, we're, you and I are both adopted. Uh, I am very much like my father, uh-huh. but we share no genes, um, you know, we, we are not biologically related, 
but I am very much like my father. And yeah. that's, a, that's a result of nurture, right? Mm-hmm. And so in psychology, they talk a lot nowadays about, uh, you know, nature versus nurture is not really a thing anymore, but uh, the nurture has a tendency to, uh, I guess, for better, lack of a better term, expand on the nature of things. Mm-hmm. So like you were saying, like, do we have something in us? You know, what is it? So, yeah, you may, there may be an innate uh, inbred, inborn something or other from people who may have a propensity towards violence, and then they are attracted to mm-hmm. violent things. That, that could certainly be the case. Well, Freddie mm-hmm. nurtured me. Oh, Freddie! Freddie was very <laughs> Freddie was very nurturing. So if nurture loving, is a big part, and I think he was child. all about hugs. Yeah, I, I, I'm the dream child, <laughs> dude! It was great. Dream Warriors. Yeah. Oh yeah! Dream Warriors. That was, that was yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the heroine in, in uh, horror films <laughs> it was fantastic. And, and we were just like watching. Well, there, there's another example of the hero being the quote monster. And, you know, the Underworld series. Yeah, the Beckinsale. Mm-hmm. Three cheers for Beckinsale. Woo! Oh, I love Kate Beckinsale. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, those... Well, that, was, <laughs> that was sexy. Yeah, that was, that was, that was very sexy. Yeah, um, and then the, the, the lycanthropes being the villains, those monsters. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really interesting. How they got no can, ladies. They got no ladies? Is that the problem? They if, they had problem. The, if they had the ladies, that would definitely yeah, be They're like dwarves. Man. There are no dwarf women. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there are no lycan women. <laughs> that's their problem. And that's... That's why they're aggressing so. <laughs> it's not their violent nature. It's, it's lack of sex. That'll <laughs> get anyone riled up. Right. Well, Indeed. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, back to the beginning of our conversation, I was a ninja several years in a row. You know what, ninja? I respect that because, I mean, who didn't want to be a ninja? Mo- I was ninja multiple, multiple Halloween. Yeah. And then I was the crow. For oh, no, nice. really? <laughs> for the rest of your life. For the rest of my life, for year after year after year, <laughs> Eric Draven. <laughs> Would you qualify um, The Crow as a, as a horror movie? I watch it every October. I watch it Devil's Night religiously. Yeah, we're talking about a Revenant yeah. character. Oh, uh, very much, yeah. Yeah, so definitely. Mm. Okay. I never considered that. Like, So it's interesting, <clears throat> I mean, you talk about comic books and stuff. So <clears throat> again, you know, I was into comics as a kid. And somewhere along the lines, I got my hands on some, not, I guess I guess they might have been horror comics. I'm not really sure. Um, but there was a group of monsters that were fighting in World War II or something. And I don't remember the title. Huh. That sounds this. familiar to me. But it had, like, I remember Frankenstein was in there, uh, Werewolf. And they were, like, conscripted say, by like, the army to, to yeah, fight Yeah, they were fighting the in, like, World, Hitler or something? Yeah, like, fighting in World War II or something like that. And I remember reading some of those comics and loving the idea that, like, these monsters would be battling for the good guys. So wait, did the Axis people show up with their own ensemble of monsters? They didn't have their own monsters, no. Which is weird because they were known Hitler was into the occult. You've got like, the Black Forest is full of stuff. You could get stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So this is why later on I was was really uh, enthralled with the idea of uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, I love Um, League. I thought that was fantastic. I was just talking about it today. I thought it was a great idea, you know, the whole, this whole idea of pulling these characters from popular, uh, you know, from, from infamous fic- or infamous famous fiction novels yeah. and stuff and and putting them all together as a superhero group essentially you know I, I thought it was fantastic and I loved the idea yeah I mean that's that's meta too like Cabin mm-hmm. in the Woods taking the idea of the super team reverse engineering it and making like this is where this starts right yeah right. yeah no I, and that's that's an example of like the the monsters becoming the heroes 
Um, and so that was, I'm trying to think when I read that comic, uh, I think I was probably about eight years old. So that would have been 84 or 82. The mo- Shut the up, monster, Stitch. The monster team comic? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the monsters okay. in, the, in the military thing. Um, so yeah, I just, uh. Shut up, Mitch. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. I didn't say anything. At all. You were thinking it. I could see yeah. it. I could see it on your face. You're like, yeah, he's so old. He was reading comics back in '82. <laughs> I was saying nothing of the sort. In fact, I was going to reference my notes because I'm really interested in in the where we're going with this. Then talking about the, there's the the monster is a hero. Things are spooky. Um, why do we gravitate towards these? you know, scary things. And I have several friends who really don't like the spooky stuff. And Natalie had a friend who didn't like to come over because we have spooky stuff in the house year round. <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't like the skulls and bats and stuff. All that stuff scares her. Whereas I gravitate towards it. Like, so it's, it's just an interesting thing to me. Well, you know, what's interesting too, because I had a, I had a woman one time when I was at work, um, working for GameStop and my first go around, uh, she was in, she was getting a game for her son and it was uh, gears of war. And, you know, the symbol for Gears of War is a skull, right, on the gear. Um, and she looked at it, and she she made a comment. She's like, well, that's really evil looking. And I looked at it, and I looked at her, and I'm like, you know, I I guess. I've never really considered yeah. a skull to be evil. Because I, I used to love to draw skulls when I was a kid. Oh, me too. Like, yeah. I, I used to love, I don't know why, but I just love to, I love to draw skulls. And even now, I'm still kind of drawn to them. Um, there was a point where I went through my closet one time, and I realized that Every single T-shirt I had had a skull on it. Nice. And I was like, hmm, I might need to change this up just a little bit. Do you know, uh, Giger had a skull on a rope that he pulled around town with him as a child. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Where did he get the that. skull? I did not know that. Wait, are we talking human skull? or? Yes. Really? That he got from his grandfather or something. But, yeah, as a child, he had it kind of instead of a little train attached to a rope, he pulled along a, a skull. <laughs> Kind of makes you wonder where his grandfather got that skull. <laughs> no, I don't like, want to know. Where was grandma? I'm going to ask where was, where was grandma. <laughs> I mean, you get raised with all these like scary European, yeah. dark fairy tale cautionary stories. Right. So that's got to manifest a whole like sub conversation right there, like the difference uh, well, between like yeah. European horror oh. and scary and gothic versus American, where we have kind of, uh, like you said watered it down oh coca-cola santa versus krampus it's, yes it's one of those it, it, yes mm-hmm. right well i mean even even our even our fairy tales that we know right everybody most kids know them from disney you know the disney yeah. the disney fairy tales yeah. not the not the actual fairy tales and what really happened you know and all the kind of the the dark we things that happened there right like <laughs> what was it what was it i heard with uh, like cinderella like her stepsisters one of them cut off her feet to get them in the shoes or something like that i mean that's I mean, that's kind of dark right there, mm-hmm. like, for something like that to happen. And, you know, like you say, you're talking about Krampus. That was not necessarily a, a warm childhood <laughs> <laughs> uh, memory right there. Krampus so. seemed to have, like, rocketed into the uh, zeitgeist recently. Um, I mean, I was not aware. I was not Krampus conscious, like, ten years ago. No, me neither. So, I, wasn't, so. I wasn't either, quite honestly. So do we have an origin for why this suddenly became uh, part of our discussion? Hmm. Was, I, there, was there a popular movie? Because if there were, I, I did not see it. Well, I don't think Krampus itself was a popular movie. I mean, was there a Krampus movie? There was. There were there was. There were two, two of them, yeah. I think. I saw the one that was the anthology that had the three different movies in it, and it was bookended by a, a Krampus versus Santa uh, encounter. 
Um, like oh, no, that's kind like, of interesting. Like, <laughs> Wolfman versus Dracula, kind of like versus one of those. Yeah. Oh my god. Totally. Yeah. I want to see that. So kind of cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. Santa's all <laughs> lifting weights and kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm not gonna get buff to face the Krampus. That's right. That's right. That's what he prepares for year round. It's the not like taking gifts and like dropping them off. It's fighting Krampus. <laughs> the elves are running around the gym, like getting him towels and mm-hmm. like giving him Gatorade and things. It'd probably take a few elves to spot him. Well, yeah, it would take a few elves to spot Santa. Yeah. I mean, so, I have a strong suspicion it's not so much about rediscovering old fairy tales and European legends so much as, like, how can we market to the horror fans who don't have family in December? Well, they won me uh, over with <laughs> they won me over with Gremlins back in the day. That's one of my still one of my favorite <laughs> Christmas movies right there is Gremlins. Fair enough. Along with Die Hard. Die Hard is a great Christmas movie. It is. It is. Don't spin us off. But oh, sorry, no, I didn't mean no, to spin us no, off. No, because yeah. I'll start talking going, about... Going back to Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, so what's the combination of, of Christmas and, and Halloween? I mean, it's that's not the only one. I mean, there's obviously the obvious one, Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. The two seem to be linked. Is it because we like... I think maybe we like the sour? juxtaposition of, yeah. To, is it just about that? Probably is just seeing, you know, because one is one is all about love and giving and everything, and the other one's, the other you one's know, about Santa. Way cooler. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so what? Do you have a, a a thought on that, Guillermo? I mean, it could just be real world holiday season bleed. I mean, you're looking yeah. at like Christmas decorations in October oh. in stores already. So something things, as simple as just retail. Things get this to us. Right. Yeah. Things get sort of skipped over and there's this kind of like melange of, of time at the end of the year where it's kind of like, all right, holidays, you know? And so there, I think there might be that, but, but like I'm saying, I, I think it has more to do with also, um, what can we sell in December to this other audience that we're losing back in October? Okay. Mm. Yeah, it could be could be a lot of like uh, commercialism, consumerism, because when I was a kid, you know, like I said, like just like reading comic books, um, you know, uh, uh, watching certain types of movies, you were an outcast. You know, people who played D and D, you know, you were an outcast. So it wasn't it wasn't part of popular culture really, which is why I think that you know probably a lot of those movies in the eighties relied so heavily on the boobies. And also, because also, it made it more mainstream, it was more well, <laughs> right, right. When you go more mainstream, then you can everyone likes boobies, right, right. I mean, what was the what was the quote from Scream regarding? Uh, um, um, I don't know, but I really liked Scream. The first Scream, I just the first Scream really was great. I no, love the good. first Scream. Yeah. That's yeah. another kind of meta movie. But right. but it, uh, the one guy made a comment uh, regarding uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. He's like, he never she never showed her tits uh, until yeah. she went legit or something like that. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, she was always, always fighting Michael Myers, but Ooh. she never actually exposed herself in any of those movies. Are you gonna go see the new one? Yes. Yes. Yes, I am gonna go they see the interest. new one. I don't. But no, I'm, yeah, I'm not a, not a fan of Michael Myers or. No, it's, it's the, the slasher movies don't really do so much for me. So yeah, well, see, like, so you've been talking, like I said, you've been talking more like intellectually about things. I'm all boobies and slasher movies. No, no, I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 like, no, I want to hear what you have to say though because I do want to talk about Halloween versus slasher movies because it does fall into that most of the time. People qualify that as a slasher movie, right? I don't. Well, so it's an art film? What do you say? So it's, I don't think it's a slasher movie. Like the first one, at least, and maybe even the second one, they're way more like psychological terror to me than slasher. Like Freddy, Jason, more slasher. 
like the horror of Michael Myers, just that, I don't know, like the most horrifying scenes in the Halloween movie were when he was off in the distance, standing like halfway mm-hmm. behind a bush. And it wasn't really the slashing. I mean, he did kill with the big knife, but I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I don't really qualify that when the scares are not coming from the slashing. Whereas like the Freddy scares are like, how's he going to kill this next kid? It's more about the, the, uh, the well, kill. even, even the first, uh, Friday the 13th, um, wasn't like it is now. I mean, it was, it was his mom that they was committing involved. the murders and it was we all, all watched Scream. Okay. Just, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I mean, it was, it was a different movie than what it yeah, evolved no, it into. Did. It is. You know, and, and I won't lie. I, so did you ever watch Jason X? Yeah, I did. It was so bad. I loved it. <laughs> it was so bad. I know, is but Jason space in space, yeah, yeah, in space. <laughs> I saw that coming, so now. So yeah. I, I loved that one. Ooh. I thought it was great. I just had fun with it. Yeah. Um, I did like H2O. Okay. I thought that one was really good. Really? You liked H2O? I liked H2O. I did not like H2O. Probably my favorite nightmare uh, is the Wes Craven's new nightmare. It was, again, very meta. Did you see mm-hmm. that one? I didn't. I didn't follow it that far. Oh. That one was good. Now, pardon my okay. ignorance, because I was just going to ask, what, what exactly are we talking about when we say meta? Oh, we're talking about things that recognize the tropes in horror films and comment on them, like oh, okay. Scream does, and definitely okay. like Cabin in the Woods does. Right, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. This is coming from outside in kind mm. of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, so those are some of my favorites. Gotcha. All right, yeah, no, I, so the interesting thing to me, you know, because we're talking like like horror movies and we're focusing on monsters and stuff, but some of the scariest movies to me were the ones that were a little more psychological. No. Uh, which I think no. is what you were talking about when... Are you steeled against it? I think as as a a viewer, I I see the monster in other people every day. I can turn on the news. I can read about the guy in the Jason mask killing the girl at the bus stop outside of my work. That that's there. That happens. That's not what I pay my eight twenty five for. Mm-hmm. Um, I flip open the book. I pop the movie in because I want the other. I want the thing from the outside. I want the thing that is transcended or corrupted or uh, transfigured the human con- the human condition or is from something else I'm, to 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 be the the thing on the screen. That's the story I'm interested in. There have been like this really I don't, and it could just be I I wish I had the I could back it up a little better, but it could be just the few recent ones that I've seen. But particularly on Netflix, these Netflix originals, there seems like to be a a sudden influx of uh, Lovecraftian other horror movies coming around, mm-hmm. and I think that's great. And I really enjoyed a lot of aspects of them. At the same time, I'm I'm a little uh, the most one, the one I watched recently was uh, something that was very circular. Like I I don't remember. But uh, True Detective? No, 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 no. It was it was it was it was, it was a Netflix original of some kind, and it was super Cthulhu-y. And um, I don't know. I don't think they're quite hitting it, but I like where it's going. The, I, I get hmm. what they're trying to do, but I don't think we're there yet. Translating the idea of cosmic horror, yeah, to a visual on a screen is really, really hard. There's certain moments like. In Dark City, when they break through the wall and suddenly you realize where they're at, 
and it's not where you yeah. thought, and it's not where they thought. That kind of like yeah. that moment where it's just like, <gasps> my head explodes, yeah. and whoa, where is this? What is that? Like that's that's a hard moment to reach. Yeah. Um. So I. I you know, because I mean, you look at like all the early Lovecraftian efforts, like Reanimator or like the the anthology movie Necronomicon mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's you can't you can't quite get it, and it gets and it ends up being reduced in in the visual media. Whereas, like as a reader, you read that and that unfolds, and that's in your head, and there's a lot of power there that gets unleashed on the page that doesn't make it onto the big screen or onto the little screen. Well, I think that's that's one thing like uh, that's different between like watching something, viewing a movie, and reading something. I know, you know, as a kid, I used to read a lot of Stephen King. Same friend I had that, uh, you know, let me come over and watch horror flicks and stuff at his house, got me into Stephen King. And so in fifth grade, I'm reading Stephen King and stuff. And, you know, those things would really creep me out, like reading some of those books and stuff, especially when I'd stay up late at night reading them. And I think it's just a matter of like your mind can go to these places and you, I think you almost get a greater sense of things or a greater feeling than you do watching it. Because I think when you watch it, somehow in the back of your mind, you're always like, oh, it's just a movie. But when you read it, like you absorb it, you know, it's kind of kind of like I, I liken it to, to the way I listening to music, you know, you, you absorb the music, you feel the music. When I read, I, I get the same same effect. That's interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, as an audience, there's there's a passive versus active um, engagement mm-hmm. in in viewing things. You're passive in reading things. There's a kind of mental construction, or same with listening to music. There's an emotional construction that you bring to that composition, mm-hmm. and that makes it mean so much to you. So, yeah. One of the definitely. things that people really enjoy about horror movies, one of the theories people toss about, is we watch it because we're in control or a lot of people do because we can actually turn it off. We know that it's a movie. This is interesting to me because of what you were just saying. Let me see if I can articulate it because you're talking about when you're reading a book, that's scarier than just seeing it on screen. So in a way it's almost completely opposite. When you're watching a movie, you actually don't have control of the visuals. You don't have control of what's happening. It's you're just being fed the, the story and the horror and the imagery. Whereas in a book you you have more control because you could just close the book and your brain is creating all this imagery. So, I mean, you could stop it from creating. So it's, it's just an inch that I think those things are, are what make the different, the two mediums so different, like the control, mm-hmm. like how much control you have. And in a way you don't, well, have I can, control. I can see, I can see your point and I can see uh, Guillermo's point as well. Um, and so I think there's kind of truth to both of them, but I think, you know, for me, personally like the the scariest times i've ever had you know as far as like horror goes has been when i was reading a book i agree i mine too and I'm, and, and yeah I, I probably did have more control in that i probably could have shut the book but then even when i shut the book i think my mind is still working like yes. those things are still there when i'm watching a movie you know i can detach myself from the movie very easily uh and i think much more easily for me personally than mm-hmm. than when i'm reading a book and i think that all goes to what Guillermo was saying like the creation and this investment this emotional and mental construction that's happening mm-hmm. is much more present when reading yeah yeah right. I, I would i would say so well, so wait, you, go ahead to wheel this back around to lovecraft i mean what so far i think like the successful lovecraft movie is dagon 
I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, it's really oh. cool. <laughs> it's it's like really it's like a really good kind of modernization of Shadows Over Innsmouth, uh-huh. and it's really cool. At the at the end, there's this kind of like uh, sort of effects barrier that you run into, but whatever, it's yeah. forgivable mm-hmm. because like they they build the movie so very good, and it's not it doesn't have the cheese and it doesn't have the loss of a lot of earlier attempts that happen. Um, and then the, the silent call of Cthulhu that they made for $10,000 or whatever it was, I think it was like, it was like a, a small, small amount in this complete labor of love. Um, that adaptation, like turning that into a silent film was kind of such a, not only a budgetary move, but also in terms of telling the story that really worked. It, and it used all these like really very clever German expressionistic things in order to show kind of like the non-Euclideanness of the city and the the different surfaces, it was really very well done. Are these readily available? Oh, can we, can we stream these? I think so. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure. I, I I think it was on one of the streaming services for a long while. Out. Yeah, Absolutely. no doubt, definitely. So I was just I, I had a thought, um, kind of getting away from what Guillermo was saying, but kind of going back to what we were talking about, like you know when did things become popularized? So and my thought is. That, um, you know, we've got monsters and stuff uh, nowadays, you know, we're talking about like being the heroes and stuff. And I know back in the 90s when I was reading comic books, you know, again, there was a comic book called Wetworks uh, mm-hmm. when some of the artists left Marvel image. and went to mm-hmm. Image, exactly started yeah. Image. Yeah, there was a storyline that took place um, with this military unit that got these, I don't know, they got some suits or something and then... Somehow it was all tied into like monsters, like vampires, and there was a creature out there that was apparently uh, like a, uh, a Frankenstein uh, creature, and apparently the vampires didn't want this thing out there for some reason. I don't remember exactly because I never actually finished any of the stories because you know Image was terrible at the time about getting, <laughs> getting uh, any of the comic books out, so I never actually finished the story, so I never knew where it went, but. Uh, it was interesting to me that they had that aspect in there, and it kind of harkens back to when I was reading those comics, you know, as a kid, that had the the, the monsters in the military, you know, serving for the military and, and fighting for the the good side or whatever. Um, so I don't know if that has contributed to to the popularization of some of this stuff. Uh, that and then of course nowadays we have books like you know Abraham uh, Lincoln, uh-huh. what was it Vampire Slayer, yeah. whatever that whatever that was I forget and they made a movie out of that. And which came first, the Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies? No, that came after the Abraham. Oh, the Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. The Abraham Lincoln one was first. I don't think I, so. I feel like the vampire, the zombies were. No, no, the Pride and Prejudice came after. Trust me, I was working at Barnes & Noble at the time. I know, <laughs> I know when the books came out. Like, I know. <laughs> that one came out after. All right, fair enough. We'll, well and, and then, of course, like, you know, you've got books like, um, oh, shoot, what was that? Warm Bodies, where they, the, the, the zombies. Young uh, yeah. yeah. The, the, actually, it's not in, in Barnes & Noble. It's not classified in young adult. It's actually in fiction. But, uh, um, but yeah, like, the, the zombies started becoming, I guess, human again or something. And, and I actually liked the movie. I did. But I'm just saying it's interesting to me, like, you know, where things have kind of gone with that. I thought that you was know. quite a reach. That was a desperate that, like, grab. Maybe, but like, I, I enjoyed the love movie. In Twilight, we can make zombie love now. Well, okay, so I appreciated that one more so than I appreciated Twilight, which I've never seen or read. Mm-hmm. Really nothing of it? Really? How but, did you avoid that? Um, Just 
uh, luck, I guess. I read I all know. the books. Did you really? Yeah, I did. What? Yeah. Would you, ah, wow, you just admitted that. I did. I, I've, I've admitted it many times. And other I'm people ashamed of you. Oh. <laughs> 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 it was a rough time in my life, okay? I was very lonely. <laughs> I, I didn't have a lot going on. <laughs> so I just read through them. But, but I only made it to before the, the, the... Before the Shades of Grey books, huh? But I only made it to the... I only made it to the no. Oh, no, I'm still reading those. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I haven't read those. No, but I only made it to the third movie. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Nope, I watched all five. Did you? I did. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> my, my mother and my sister, my nieces, they've all watched them, but I've never... And, I, and they've read them all, and I've never read them. I can't believe you made it through them all. I, yeah, me too. Uh, regrettable. Was it just that you... You decided because you had invested the time in like the first three or something. That's why I did. The, that's why I made it through the books. I kept going because I was like, "Well, I've already read two. Gotcha. I, I didn't read the books, um, but I I kind of wanted to see. What, I mean, as as a long time fan of the vampire, I wanted to see kind of like what this iteration decided to do with it, what the rules were in the Stephanie Meyer books and mm-hmm. what, how that plays out. Yeah. So, you know, and it was such like a pop culture phenom. I was kind of like, all right, well, I'll just see what this is about. Cause I mean, I mean like, like Harry Potter, for instance, I didn't read until after that third book was out. And I picked up the first book kind of saying like, this is going to be rubbish. This is going to be <laughs> such a lowest common denominator yeah. thing. And by like chapter two, I was like, this is brilliant. And I, you know, and so I totally fell in love with it. So, you know, I was kind of like, all right, well, I'll give Twilight kind of the same chance, at least in terms of the films. And that might've been part of my motivation also, like a subconscious, like they, I think I'm going to at least go with that. Because you watched Harry those, Potter? No, because, no, because oh. I read the Harry Potter books. Oh, okay. And then when my mom introduced me to Twilight, because she introduced me to, to Harry Potter, then maybe that's why I dove, I dove in. Well, I do think people were looking for the next Harry Potter thing. I it was kind so. of like, what's the yeah. next mm-hmm. YA sensation? And I think that was just right there in the void at yeah. the right time. That could be. Yeah. I could see that. But it aggravated me. Yeah. But wait, to go back to sort of origins of popular digital monsters. So late 60s, Dark Shadows. Uh, into mm. the 70s, five years, okay. every day. Every day, people mobbing those actors as they were leaving the studio. Every day. And in that, you have the ensemble cast. You have vampire Barnabas Collins, who isn't likable, but becomes this genteel family member who is feeding on his own family. And, <laughs> and you know, but but instill us kind of like, oh, there's something about this suave guy with a cane. And then as the series progresses, you have a werewolf character and you have a mad scientist who's assembling a body out of dead parts that lo and behold becomes a Frankenstein character named Adam. And yeah, and you have like a, a demon character in, in the cast. So as it rolls forward, there's ghosts, there's a turn of the screw storyline where these two kids get possessed. It has all the things. And I think that was a lot of kind of like, you know, uh, afternoon exposure mm-hmm. to, to those characters. And people had fandoms for those particular characters while that series lasted. And, you know, and they're still doing connections today. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's something, you know, it's kind of like, okay, we've got the Universal Monsters, you know, 30s, 40s. We've got the Hammer films of the 60s, 70s. And we've got Dark Shadows at the kind of the end of that. And then where do the monsters in the Adams family fit in? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think those were probably born out of like the uh, like Abbott and Costello. 
used to have a series of films like Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman, Abbott and Costello meet Dracula, Abbott and Costello yeah. meet Frankenstein, Scooby meets like, meet the Invisible Dracula. Man. Like they met, they met all of the yeah Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of funny you mentioned Dark Shadows. Like I've never seen that, but my mother, who is a big sci-fi fan, loved the X Files. Watched the X Files like until it ended, and uh, and you know introduced me to Star Trek and stuff. She also uh, once mentioned to me about Dark Shadows, but I never looked into it. And so I wonder if that's perhaps why she got into Twilight, because she was a fan of Dark Shadows. Mm. You know, it could be. It just takes one little entryway, one connection. Well, so I love the idea of like an ensemble cast, right, with all these creatures and stuff, because that's what I loved about that comic I read when I was a kid. But for me, one of the biggest disappointments with that, and I'm sure you guys have probably seen it, Penny Dreadful. I, I haven't seen it. I've been told to, to oh, watch you it. Haven't seen I've been told it? to stay away yeah. from it. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I think I like your friends better. I will. I will tell you. I will tell you to watch the first season and then don't watch the rest. No, I can't okay. do that. So, I'm a completist, so I, I better uh, not pick it up at all. Well, so I, I loved. I loved the idea of it because they had Doctor Frankenstein. They had. Uh, they had a, a character who was a werewolf. They had a witch, which was the main character. Um, they had uh, Dorian Gray. Um, in in the the movie and everything, uh, and I I they had the they had Frankenstein's monster, and I loved where I thought it was going, and then it did not go there. It completely disappointed. Um, but it was the first season was phenomenal. I absolutely loved the first season, huh. and I liked the way they did it because they had a, the character who was a werewolf was from America, and they tell you like you know how he became a werewolf and stuff, and you realize that it's not tied to the more traditional. Uh, werewolf stories, you know. Um, it was like a curse for something that he did. But then because of his curse, they call him... Was it a gypsy curse? No, it wasn't a gypsy curse. Uh, it was a Native American curse. Oh, there you go. And, uh, and, and, but he is cursed... Skinwalker style. Skinwalker style. But he was cursed, but they call they refer to him as uh, uh, Lupus Day. <laughs> which is like, which is like, uh, I God think it's like, the wolves. well, yeah. God of the wolves, but they, they interpret him as being almost like an angel and it's the kind of the way he's viewed. He's like a protector. It's just like and, a great spirit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting the way they kind of play this in there. And I'm, cause I've never he's selling me. Yeah. And, but like I said, I love the first season, love the first season. Seasons two and especially season three, just really disappoint, really disappointing. I think it's just they knew it was ending and they were like, oh, screw it. Or you know, they must have fired all the writers at some point and had like the boy who makes the copies or something like that. Jimmy, could you do this, please? That's right. That's right. Speaking so, of disappointing. Oh, did you have oh no, no. Go ahead. No, <laughs> speaking of disappointing TV series. Um, True Detective. True Detective. <laughs> I think you told me. No, I want to ask you your uh, outlook on the Lestat series. That what? we were upon, like, we were on the verge of happening. I Is it going to happen? Are you looking that. forward to You didn't know about that? I didn't know about oh that. Oh, my God. So. Uh, her boy, her son, and she working together to Stammers. do this. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? I haven't yeah. heard so, either. So, given his involvement, is Well, then, since you didn't know, I didn't, I then never mind. Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, TV is a lot different than it was Many years ago, and I was always disappointed that we didn't get more of the Chronicles because I I enjoyed interview the the Tom Cruise interview, and I wanted more. And Queen of the Damned didn't didn't deliver, so maybe this TV show will will. I think for all the ways Queen of the Damned could have gone super wrong, it was actually good. Really, I'm gonna have to rewatch it. 
Yeah. Rewatch it. Should I? Yes. Because I was so bummed at the time. I mean, I was there, ticket in hand, thrilled to pieces and walked away just... Uh, <laughs> see, I, I don't know. Interview with a Vampire for me, like I read the book, saw the movie, and, and my problem was in the book, I just felt like, like uh, what I can't even think of the main character's name. The one who Louis. Was, Louis. <laughs> Louis just would not stop whining. I got sick of it. I got so sick of him whining. I'm like, just Catholic. like, seriously, man, you just got to get over it at some point because there's nothing you can do to change it now. No, right. There's no, no, there's yeah. no take backs. You're stuck. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. So I, I, that one for me was tough to read. And, you know, I watched the movie and I'm like, okay, the movie for me was a little bit better just because he whined a little bit less. But then even then, I you just. You should couldn't. move on past. They're so spectacular. I love I, those the, books. The, 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 such a hard time. Oh, I swear you'll be rewarded. The deal yeah. with Louis Ennui is it becomes counterpoint when Lestat takes over the story. Mm-hmm. And you realize, like, no, wait, it's a it's about embracing this condition. Yeah. It's about uh, enjoying the, the super heightened sensation and, and taking the ride mm-hmm. uh, that is vampirism. And so, like, like. The ennui only serves as this hor- this this like super sad morose backdrop to the joy that yeah. Lestat actually has when he lives. So the the one book is a foil for the next. Gotcha. The contrast gotcha. that is presented is is really well done. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe maybe I will have to go on and read them. I mean, you know, I won't lie. I've read some other books that were just not necessarily that good, but just because they I was interested in. They're the not ideas. a hard read either. They're a quick read. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, it was, they're it was really, not a hard read. I wasn't suggesting that it was, but I'm just whining. saying do it. Do it. Well, yeah. Next. So one one book I read, uh, somebody wrote a story with uh, um, Sherlock Holmes set in that, that era mm-hmm. uh, where he they uh, had him taking on the Xenobites. <laughs> yes. That, yeah, I didn't so I read had, that, but I know what you're talking about. I had to read it because, I, I, I like I said, I'm a Hellraiser fan. So yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, Hellraiser and Sherlock Holmes. I'm in. Do it. <laughs> so I, I read the book and was a little bit disappointed, uh, you know, because one of the things that disappointed me was no pinhead. Uh-huh. And, you know, they did introduce some other Xenobites, which are kind of cool, but, you know, if you don't have pinhead, I mean, yeah. you know, he's the man. You don't get anything. Yeah, that's right. If you don't have pinhead, you don't have anything. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> he's the face to the brand. Yeah, yeah, he really is. He really is. And so it's interesting, too, because, you know, we talk about, like, popular culture and some of this stuff. Like, uh, you know, where Mitch and I work, we carry all these collectibles and stuff at our, our stores. And, and, you know, I'm sure you've seen the cutesy looking little, like, like horror figures we have from, yeah. like, from like these movies, Chucky and Jason and all this. And I had a young lady in my store today who I believe she was about nine or ten years old looking for one of those because um, she's a fan. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I, you know. To me, it was weird because as a child, I was never allowed to watch that stuff. So I didn't know until like a couple years later. I would just like to, I would, I, you know, I couldn't take this poll without probably getting in trouble, but I would like every person who walks through the store and has a little stuffed Cthulhu hanging from their backpack, (laughs) I would like to ask them, have you ever read anything? Well, that's, that's just like, that's just like, like I I mean, I'd be willing to bet money that they have not. And I get it. It's cute. And then like, there's this whole, like, 
Your dog is really awesome, man. He's just like right over here. He's like, hi, how's it going? Thanks for having her. I keep Check out my him. giant head, like right over here on your lap. <laughs> yeah. Well, well going back to what you were saying about taking a poll, it's just like you and I have talked about before when kids when walk they in. The Iron Man when they have the Iron Maiden shirt, album. I'm like, oh, dude. That to me, I'm like, that's sacrilege right there. I'm like, okay, what's your, what's your favorite album? Yeah? What song? Yeah. Prove it. Yeah, prove it. You got to prove to me that you should be wearing the Iron Maiden yeah. shirt or I'll kick your ass out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, before we, we close it up, cause I don't want to hold you guys up too late, but we've talked a lot about fictional beasties and creatures. Mm-hmm. Do you have any real world experience, real world encounters that you can't explain or that you think might be a, a glimpse into the other world? Oh, I thought you were going to say real world beasties that you've encountered. Yeah. Like, real world boobies that you've encountered. Cause that seems to be your favorite part of the Harvard True. genre. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've encountered a few real world bo- real boobies in my in my real travels. Real That's right. <laughs> real uh, real world beasties. Uh, well, because I'm I, I, I watching just now watching that the first episode of the Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. and the little girls are saying these horrible things. Both my sisters. Um, who are, let's see, I'm 18 years, 15, they're about 15. Careful, tread, tread carefully here. I know. <laughs> probably about 13 years apart. Both saw horrific things in the room, their bedroom. We had, there was, in the main house, there was two, the two kids' rooms, and then my parents' bedroom was on the other side of the house, upstairs, kind of like split-level thing. Mm-hmm. And when it was just me and my brother, we had one room, and my parents, this was, they added on the other house, uh, the other room later. Um, and then when I got a little bit older, I had a room to myself, a uh, younger brother and first youngest, younger sister shared a room and she would come into my room at night telling me about the rotting heads in her closet, like horrifying, like just like crying and scared. And like, there's, there's heads in my closet and I'm like, what? Like, Did you put them there, to... Mitch? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm a practical joke. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, and then He's again, look, look, mom, I scared her to death. Oh my <laughs> god, what's wrong with you? I'm trying to tell a story. Here. I'm, I'm sorry, trying to create right a chilling environment. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so they saw scary things in there, scary things in the lab. And then again, my the younger sister, the one that came along 18 years later, mm-hmm. um, she saw similar things in that room when she was quite young hmm. um don't know i don't have any real like opinion or take on it but i find it very interesting um well so myself i would be a skeptic yeah i know like, you're you a know skeptic. i've yeah. i've seen you know i've seen all these horror movies and stuff and i like <clears> it <throat> and everything but do i believe in ghosts no i do not well these are kids do who I... are like you know three to six years old yeah like, they're but... not exposed to that how would she ever have seen like decapitated oh, heads okay so so children are highly susceptible to sure, suggestion. Of course. Uh, so if stories if a child is, yeah, if, if they're exposed to a story over and over and over again, they may become, may, may start to repeat it as though it was mm-hmm. their story. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm just saying that's a possibility. Fine. Um, but, yeah, I, I, would, I would be you. hard pressed to... I, okay. I've well, never I'm come across any, any real world monsters. Um, my ex-mother-in-law, maybe. <laughs> Whoa, blow, blow. No, I'm All just right, kidding. Here's my other one. I got she's one, she's I got never going to hear this, but in the off chance that no, she does, I'm just joking. This. I'm going to send her the link. Okay. <laughs> uh, I got. Let me just share the one more. Okay. Just because in the store that I used to run, 
Uh, we had a back door to the back room that was always locked open at night. It was in the locked position. It had a little hook in the back of the door that hooked into the, the ground. You're like, talking about Grand Swan? I'm talking about Grand Swan. Okay. <clears throat> you you know the door. You, mm-hmm. I don't remember if it still had that hook when you were there. I don't remember if it did or not. <clears throat> My assistant at the time was told to always keep that door locked open so that if some the security walked by, they could see all the way to the back room and see if anyone's coming in, whatever. Mm-hmm. I came in one morning, the door's shut. And when he came in in the afternoon, I was like, hey, man, you didn't you didn't lock the back door open. You know, just do it next time. He's like, no, I swear to God, I did. I totally did. I'm like, I, I opened this morning, dude, the door was closed. You didn't, you forgot it. It's no big deal. He's like, no, I swear that I did this. I swear. I'm like, all right, let's watch the video. <laughs> let's go to the video. So we go to the video, and at 9, 10 o'clock, whenever it was, he closed, locks the door in an open position. I'm like, what? Did, did we get broken into? I keep watching the video. I fast forward. Just past midnight, it shuts. It unlocks and shuts. Just a failure in the lock. Well, the paranormal I activity. Like, yeah, do you... absolutely paranormal activity. I found it very interesting. And I'm not a big ghost, like, I believe. Like, I was just, like, yeah. uh, lightly teasing Ryan for being a ghost hunter. But, <laughs> like, th- those things are just really interesting. So, skeptic as you may be, right. are you saying that these things don't bode at least, like, a little bit of wonder? What, are you just dead inside? I, I could be dead inside. I've been I, accused uh, of that numerous times, inside. yes. Okay, fine. Uh, I, I think so we have... Had an I think like that, that in our lexicon we have the word coincidence for a reason. Okay. Um, and I would say that's just a coincidence. Oh, really? Yeah. Just the witching hour rolls around just and the, the door just unlocks and yes. shuts itself. Oh, yes. Yeah. Why, would a, ghost, this why would a ghost be shutting the door? I don't know. Maybe we want some privacy in the bathroom. How do I know? I mean, I don't understand the motivations of ghosts. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Guillermo, what do you think? I mean, we. it may not just be ghosts. It may be some sort of temporal um, kind of overlap. Like mm-hmm. the door got closed, unlocked six years ago at a certain moment. And I like that, that. I can get behind and, that. And, and then the, the, the quantum memory of that gets locked into the actual material universe and so comes forward. Right Wait, are we talking, so, are we talking uh, that Matthew McConaughey movie? Is that what we're talking about here? I haven't seen that. that uh, what, what, <laughs> what was that movie? Interstellar. I, no, I didn't see it. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so go on. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, you know, you can go, uh, oh, well, ghosts, but, Let's open it up. Let's talk about other things. Let's talk about extra dimensional eddies, you know, that make that door swing and close. Like something, something more. He's along totally those talking lines. interstellar. He just doesn't know it. Let's talk about parallel universes. <laughs> yeah, parallel universe. Where this isn't a rule at the GameStop in the universe next door, and that door is being closed at midnight for a midnight sale. Yeah. So there's there's things like that that could very well. One another. Yeah, totally. A, a kind of yeah, a quantum friction. Uh huh. Like, his mic is talking about a lock failing. It was a hook like this and a hole like that. Right. So who's pushing that up and out? That doesn't... I'm just, just saying, I'm just saying the way the door <laughs> is built, there's pressure on that hook. And at some point, it could just kind of slowly over time, as pressure builds, yes, pop right and out of there. it never did it again. It's, it's possible. It's certainly plausible. It's more, so it's more right plausible now. than there being a ghost that like was like, oh, I'm going to close this door. Uh, if it's not, what's the saying? If it's not impossible, if, if we've eliminated all other, uh, possibilities, all things being reg- equal, regardless of how improbable it's all that's left is yeah. the, what's possible or yeah, something well, like that. I mean, 
Yeah, no. You came up with ghosts? Are you talking no. about like Occam, Occam's razor? So the Occam's razor answer is the lot failed. Right. I find the, the simplest simplest like, explanation is the much, correct one. I believe that to be much closer to well, possible. The lot could fail, but this could also thank you. once again thank you. This, <laughs> but this could also be a molecular possibility where you talk about the point where solid matter passes through solid matter. Ooh, what if what so if there was an earthquake at that particular moment in time somewhere? And there was a slight tremor that traveled far enough. Enough to bounce that hook out of that hole. You're right. That's yeah. possible. That too. would be super yeah. focused, and Tucson is the most tectonically stable place on Earth. It so could still happen. It's <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, but we're, sure. <laughs> if we're really just going to go about what could happen and what couldn't, then we're really You know, just all I've got to say is that once when I was a kid living in California, there was a small earthquake. I didn't feel it. My brother woke up in the middle of the night and had to pee. What one's got to do with the other, I really don't know. Okay, great. I'm just just saying that I don't think that there's a ghost that's like, you know, closing doors or anything like that. I don't believe a ghost. That's fine. Um, What? And we have to take a break. We'll be right back. What? Are we going to go looking for ghosts? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, I'm going to start doing that. And now when someone listens to it. There will really be no break. You know what you need to do talk. is like, okay, and we'll be right back. And then we just, we just like come, like keep talking That's as though I'm there's no break. I know. I forgot to like... do it earlier in the podcast. I wanted to drop a couple of them in there. <laughs> We've got to go for a break right now. But part of it is because I wanted to also give myself a nice little edit spot in case you didn't want to talk about your photo. No, I totally want to talk about my photo, everyone I, I, out there in photo, Cyberland. Photo is I, think, <laughs> I think you talked about it once before, but I want you to bring it up again because we are in... Is it a picture of a ghost? Our, it our is on cast. topic. No, it's, it's better. It's super on topic. <laughs> so on is my it a bo- chupacabra? It is a chupacabra! <laughs> no! <laughs> it's no. a, you totally got it! No! Yes, yeah, good good Tucson spot there. <laughs> yes, totally! Um, so on my blog, I have a blog entry called It Was a Chupacabra. So look that up. It's dark entries. Look up Guillermo the Fourth. It'll pop out of your, your search engine of choice. Um, so a year and a half ago, I'm at my parents' house, and they live on the east side of kind of like the A Mountain, Sentinel, all of that little bit of mountains that stand alone that shouldn't really happen anyway. But <laughs> um, so my uh, my ex-mother-in-law at the time is looking out the window, and she's like, hey, hey, there's there's something out here, and it's blue. <laughs> and I was like... Was it a Smurf? What? And she's like, she's like, I think it's a chupacabra. And so I like, I run over there, of course. And uh, (laughs) I'm there with my wife and her. And we're looking out the window. And there is this blue dog canid sort of thing out there. And it's blue, like a couple shades darker than like a Hindu god blue. It's like an unnatural blue. It's really weird. What time of day was this? This was probably around three in the afternoon, if I'm remembering right, the blog says. Um, but yeah, so there's there's good light, whatever. And it's out there like in... Well, it wasn't overcast or anything? No, I don't think so. Maybe a little bit cloudy, but not enough to actually have any sort of color changing. Was it near water, or... a body of water or anything? <laughs> See, just because you don't have a story to poke holes in. Was was there a blue tarp overhang? (laughs) 
was it wearing a capelet? No, it was a it was a hair, hairless, blue skinned, canid animal of Could it some been somebody's sort. child. Like what size was it? <laughs> At any rate, um, so I run back over to the other counter because neither of them have their phone on them. And so I go get the phone and then I run back to the kitchen window. But by that point, it's moved like over here to the side of the window where the screen is and it's way at the edge. And so I'm kind of like trying to hold it around the corner of the window to get a picture of it. And so at that point, I snap a picture and then I run over to the library where the other window is because it's already headed down the street and I can't see it from there. So I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. That was a chupacabra. Freaking cool. So, yeah. Uh, so, there it is. So, there was that. Yeah. But then also, like, um, unrelated story. I am uh, walking my dog maybe five, four months ago. And I'm kind of at 6th and um, I think it was 15th. And so, I'm there and we're passing by the storm drain and there's this really large head with eyes, glowing eyes. And they're set really far apart, like in the storm drain, looking at us. And I'm thinking, do I go towards that? Do yes, I? Yes, you go toward, you, right. you go investigate. <laughs> so you can like dispel any, any potential ideas or misconceptions uh, about this being a creature of the uh, night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or I confirm you, that. You should, or, sure, and I right, produce yeah. the smoking gun. Right. However, well, then it's the same thing with the the chupacabra. And I'm just for those who can't see, because I realize just now I'm on the I'm on audio. I'm doing the finger quotes. Okay, Coke uh, the bottle glasses. Chupacabra. <laughs> who knows what you're saying or not? That's saying. true. That's true. Um, but yeah, no. So we. So I'm there with the dog, and I'm thinking like, well. If it grabs the dog, then I got to go down there. And then the odds are against me because odds are it's part of the big group. So, no. And so, <laughs> so you're, you're thinking, you're thinking Chud. Yeah, something, something cannibalistic this... humanoid underground dweller. Well, I mean, if we're talking already. Because it was, those things were snatching people up. <laughs> <laughs> something, well, I mean, we're, we, you know, we have this persistent idea of the hollow hills mm -hmm. and of the underdwellers and of the Tompton and mm -hmm. of the dwarves and of the trolls and all of these, these stories that are persistent cross-culturally and globally. So it's not kind of outside of that, that spectrum of, of possibilities to kind of go, okay, well, obviously if they're, well, they're living under here, they're going to, they're going to be somewhere in the subway system. They're going to be in the sewers with the alligators. They're going to be well, see, around see, there. I, I realize that these are cross-cultural images and things that have, have, uh, come up in different cultures and across the world. But my counter argument to that would be that we have different cultures that have also come up with similar gods with similar abilities to explain similar things. You know, Greeks and Romans, of course, have their gods that were essentially the same, the Norse gods, uh, uh, quite a few of them are similar to the Greek and the, the Roman gods in their abilities and what they, you know, not necessarily what they're the god of, but they have similar similar things. So I would just say that perhaps it's just not that there are actually things out there, but that there are somehow the way the human mind works, the psyche works, perhaps we are coming, trying to come up with ideas to explain similar occurrences. 
and the best we can come up with is trolls or, you know, different creatures or whatnot. I, I couldn't honestly say. Well, but like being, it... being a skeptic, though, I keep looking at this and I'm like, okay, yes, you should have gone towards those glowing eyes. Because odds are it's probably just like flashlights or some lights down there or something, you know. But, but it's interesting, isn't it, though, the way that the mind works? You know, you see these things and you can't help but kind of, kind of question and perhaps even feel a little bit of fear at the unknown. Oh, yeah, totally. Because at that point, it's kind of like, okay, this is outside of my accepted reality and realm of experience. Mm-hmm. And so you don't really know what you're up against. Right, right. No, I would, I would totally agree with you on that, that part of it. Um, but I could see where, you know, perhaps we, we misinterpret or we, you know, we, it, it, I, I would say that like, you know, in ancient days, Everything was explained explained away with mysticism, and yet we've proven these things through science. And so maybe there's something that we just are still waiting to prove with science. More things in heaven and earth. Uh, as a hard polytheist, I, <laughs> I, I I have to go the other way. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. All right, yeah. No, see, I'm I'm a more of a more of like uh, I guess more. I believe in science. I I believe that eventually we'll have explanations for things, but I do enjoy. You know, as a kid, I used to read stories and stuff about all kinds of different creatures. I used to buy books all the time that would have, you know, talk about different different myths or different different creatures and stuff that have been reported and that people have supposedly seen. You know, I used to read books about Bigfoot and the Yeti and the Abominable Snowman. And then I used to, to read up on, like, the Loch Ness Monster. And, you know, there was – I remember reading a story one time that I thought was – kind of interesting and I, I honestly you know wondered like how people could misconstrue something but there was a story i had read once about a uh, a cat a black cat that had been spotted at the white house and apparently it had been seen on a couple of different occasions but always before the death of a president and uh and the report went like that that somebody saw a black cat and they walked towards it and it seemed to be purring but as they got nearer the black cat it grew larger and the purr became more of a roar. And one of the reports was that this black, this cat jumped at whoever was walking towards it. And when they put their hands up to protect themselves, all of a sudden the purring or the roaring stopped. And they looked around and it was gone. But all the, every time this was reported was before the death of a president. Now, and, and granted, I'm reading this back in uh, 1980s. So I don't know which presidents passed away or anything. Because it was, <laughs> you know, I was a kid and I was just reading this book. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting, but, you know, why would someone report that? Oh, hi, you know, say, say something about <laughs> that. So, you know, it, I, don't, I don't know what's out there, but I just think, like, cross-culturally, if you're looking at that, you also have to examine, like, you know, how did these different cultures come up with these gods that some of them do some of the, some of the same things? I think some of the, the, the need for humanity to categorize things has taken a lot of kind of like the, the domains of the of the classical mythology gods, like Zeus, God of Thunder, mm-hmm. uh, Apollo, God of Music, that kind of thing. And they've transposed those, those ideas onto other pantheons, and that doesn't necessarily belong. And that also happens with other ideas. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think the similarity is just a, a tendency toward pattern. Yeah, that cloud looks like a horse, that kind of thinking, mm-hmm. when really mm-hmm. it isn't. It's its own cloud. Right. Right. Well, so then I think that could be the same explanation for, you know, if you're like, well, you know, how do these different cultures come up with the ideas of like dragons or trolls or these different creatures and stuff? So that's that's all I'm saying. You know, we've got the abominable snowman in like 
Asia, the Yeti in Asia, and then like the Sasquatch here. Yeah, Sasquatch here. Yeah. So, That's oh, because which reminds me, we've does, got dogs does, here, we've got dogs there, we've got abominable snowmen does, here. Does Shifflet <laughs> go squatching, or just, like, I don't just understand go the problem. <laughs> What's your argument against against Yeti? I'm just saying they don't exist. Is what I'm saying. Well, they're actually, yeah, they do. No. <laughs> I really don't know. So I don't, there, I really don't. That was great, man. You sure showed me. I showed you. That's right. No. <laughs> well, no, because because Guillermo and I were talking, you know, uh, about the uh, the about the uh, chupacabra air quotes. Um, chupacabra yeah, picture that, that he I've seen the chupacabra I'm, picture. I'm gonna have to see this picture. <laughs> and if it's anything like the Bigfoot picture, then no. I, I am the most reliable witness. <laughs> I was there. And how much had you had to drink that day? <laughs> I'm trying to find the chupacabra. The, the picture, the picture yeah. of the chupacabra? Yeah. You, you going up and you're looking for pictures now? I'm looking. I'm, I'm just going to find the picture. Um, just to show you. <laughs> I put it out there for the audience that wants to see it. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to show it to Mike right now. No, no. Wants to, he can go look no it I, I want to see this this picture. And, you know, the, uh, you know just like kid. the picture of, of the Sasquatch. I always wanted to see one of those. So see, you entertain it's, the possibility. Mm, when I was a kid, we used to do mysteries. We were very Scooby centric. Me and my first cousins. Mm-hmm. There was always this. There was one famous mystery: the mystery of the one sided pin or something. It was. We found like this. There was a house on our block that was kind of dilapidated and falling apart, and it looked like it had been burnt down many years prior. And we were always climbing around in there when we weren't supposed to. And we found a little diaper pin, and it had like a baby face on one side, and then the other side it was really flat. And we created a whole mystery around. That's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, why? I don't even remember it, but I, I just remember that being kind of like the catalyst for the mystery. I, th- I think hmm. maybe all of this actually goes back around to, if I can br- if I can wheel this let's all do, back. Let's, let's not that I don't love the woo-woo, but we're not going to make any sort of conclusive. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm going to say what I think, you're going to say what you think, you're going to say what you think, and then that's it. It's on the table, whatever. But But as audience members as people who come to the horror genre as readers and watchers or creators, I, I think some of that that belief or disbelief or psychological versus outra and other, like those are, are different things that we, we bring to the table also with the enjoyment of that genre. And that kind of affects how we take it in yeah. or what we produce with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I was just too focused on boobies. <laughs> awesome uh any parting thoughts or words like uh, did we cover everyone's favorites and least favorites i mean there's always so very much more to cover but uh anything else you guys mm-hmm. have like that guy i wanted to share my spooky stories before we ended was it anything mm-hmm. else you guys wanted to share i i've never had any spooky stories happen I, to me I or anything you know my mom claims that like this one house we lived in up in the white mountains that like she could hear at night, she would think one of us kids were up because she could hear somebody playing with the VCR, like a tape was going in and out. Yeah. And she'd get up and check and there was nothing there. Yeah, it probably was just malfunctioning. It's just broken. Yeah. Get a new VCR. We had we had an old we had an uh, an, an early microwave, <laughs> an early microwave, right? Not they didn't have digital numbers. They had like a dial. Yeah. And one and I even remember this too. Like one day, uh, my mom's like, D- "Did somebody mess with this? What's going on?" Because some of the numbers got messed up. Like, it didn't go, like, 5, 10, 15. It went, like, <laughs> 5, 5, 25, something. Like, they got messed up somehow. Uh-huh. 
And she's like, how did that, how did that happen? And then years later, all of a sudden, it went back the correct way. So she used to be like, we have a ghost messing with our microwave. I'm like, Mom, we don't have a ghost mess. Why would a ghost mess with the microwave? I don't know, but there's a ghost messing with my Logic Pro. There it is. Wrecking my level meters. There's earlier. no levels. Well, you could be like no. those Rotor Rooter guys. Uh, Go out maybe and, like, they'll figure it out. Ghostbusting. <laughs> 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 uh, thank you again, gentlemen. What a what a grand time I had. Sorry, I had to get up and answer the phone. No, that's that's fine. That's, <laughs> that's cool, actually. <laughs> this has been fun. I've had a great time. Yeah. Uh, so for October, ruminations from the red room. We're trying to find an R to go with the uh, theme, but yeah. What was it, Guillermo? Rot Shrek. Rot Shrek. What's that? Uh, b- like blood fear. I think Ooh. my German's pretty weak. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> das Red Room. That's the best I got. Uh, so for the Red Room, uh, I'm Mitch Proctor. I'm Mike. I'm Guillermo. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Have a great whatever you got. <laughs> <laughs>